The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in Bears fans to this episode of Bear Bones. As always, I am Mason West and as usually, I am joined by Danny Meehan. <laughs> usually. This, and it's... Yeah. In this episode, we're going to look, take a quick peek back at the Eagles game. We're going to go over some of the injury news that's been going on, and we're going to preview that Bills game. Hey, Danny, did you know that the Bears didn't have a single pro bowler? Uh, I am not shocked by that. <laughs> do you want Do you want to see my shock face? Just Yeah, the exact same as your regular face because <laughs> the Bears just aren't very good. Uh, I am shocked that we didn't hear Fields just because he literally did something only two other players in NFL history um have done but i also kind of get it when they're not a great offense as is yeah and then you know it's all about you know whether you're talking about things like pro bowl and we talked about that with like roquan smith for years um roquan's i've always thought he's been snubbed year in and year out he got caught behind guys like bobby wagner and fred warner of course too just nfc was stronger in linebackers but the bears also were never consistently very good so it's hard to give the pro bowl yeah exactly not, not good team players on not good teams um but so outside of justin fields is there a single other bear that you would have said yeah you know they could have been in consideration mm, i mean it's kind of like you're barking up the wrong tree at that point like tevin jenkins maybe but that's kind of where the argument stops right unless you really want to give it to colt commit and his love affair with the ground yeah, honestly, that was kind of where mine was, too. Tevin Jenkins was the only other one that truly crossed my mind. Um, obviously, like in the tight end range, like you got some guys like he's George Kittle is still George Kittle. I mean, even when his stats don't match it, like his impact on the game is still so great, at least in my opinion. Right. It is. Um, but anyway, the other thing is, too, and I was mentioning this earlier to you, I got attacked on Twitter today. Uh, the, the <laughs> Why do you Cousins, hate Kirk Cousins? The That's Kirk the Cousins is faithful. It, it rides strong, which is funny because when you look in the offseason and the preseason, the Vikings fans seem to like kind of hate Kirk Cousins. And then week one hits and it's he's he's their savior. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a it's a weird dynamic with Kirk, right? Because it's like he, at the end of the day, he's still Kirk Cousins. And there's only certain things he can and can't do. But, I mean, you take his his average season to this point in his career is the best quarterbacking season in Bears history. So it's like you got to put into perspective. Now, granted, the Bears' history of quarterbacking is meh, to say it nicely. But, I mean, I get it. Like, 
Kirk, I think, is very much at best a product of what's put around him. He's never going to elevate anything that's given to him. Like if he is a plug and chug, hey, this is a starting NFL quarterback, and you gave him Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and Dalvin Cook. It's like it's enough to make him look good, but you couldn't put him in Chicago and expect him to have this same level of production, if that makes sense. So here's a question. Would was Geno Smith, did he deserve the Pro Bowl? I think so. And if you took Geno Smith and put him on the Bears, what would he look like? Probably like Geno Smith. Right, yeah. It's a, it's a product of a couple things, right? The NFC is just weak at quarterback. The AFC is where all the good quarterbacks are for the most part, especially with Aaron yeah. Rodgers falling off and things like that. Um, it's basically Jalen Hurts and everybody else. And Kirk just lucked out. In that within that respect yeah i mean even like with the arguable best quarterback to ever live the, clearly the most accomplished quarterback to ever live tom brady is not tom brady anymore yeah that whole situation is is weird because i mean you watch him play and physically he looks fine like the ball's getting to where in general it needs to be but i don't know if it was just with bruce arians leaving or or what one of the other things, too, with them is they are just decimated on the offensive line. I mean, they have no alignment left. That's no, they, and that started early in training camp, right? Because didn't Jensen lose the season right before they even, like, broke camp? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Pro Bowl is weird this year. But uh, bright, hopefully brighter features ahead for potential Bears Pro Bowlers, uh, just not in 2022. But we're going to look at that Eagles game. Uh, first is our knee-jerk reaction, just like a hot take from the last game. Uh, mine is that the offensive line is not good. Um, six sacks, <laughs> six QB hits. Uh, only 39% of their pass blocking are true pass sets, which is the third lowest in the NFL. And mm-hmm. essentially that's the coaches doing their best to hide that the, the this whole line sucks. And that's for mm-hmm. good reason, because they give up pressure on 52% of their true pass sets, which is second worst in the NFL. So this connects back to my rant from Who's the worst? Oh, I didn't even, I didn't, I saw the Bears and I moved on. Okay. I mean, you, all you had to do was go down one more team. Like, no, I did, I put in a lot of effort into the show today, which you'll see later. <laughs> and that was, that was the end of my list of things to do. Um, but this connects <laughs> to, my, to my rant from last week. Offensive line grades are that ESPN does, PFF does. Watch the games. This offensive line is not good. It keeps getting no, worse. No, it's not. We'll see. talk about this a little later. Cody Whitehair is broken uh, physically right now. Jenkins went out, all that stuff. Yeah, just bad. Yeah. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction, um, it's more so I'm ready to pay Jalen Johnson at, like, name your price kind of thing. I think Jalen Johnson is – outstanding like and i know aj brown got his yards and all that but like this is the first time they've ever asked him to trail where he's just following around and hawking around on aj brown and this this is your job today jalen do not let aj brown beat us he yes aj brown i believe they gave the most single season receiving or single game receiving yards ever in team history to one player and that was aj brown who he was covering but it's it's so much bigger than that if you watched that game, you know that he was causing fits for A.J. Brown at points where he just could not could not play the game he wanted to play. There was the pass breakup in the end zone. There was a pass breakup uh, off the left sideline or the, the bottom sideline on the uh, left off the left hash to our screen, right? So 
And overall, I think that maybe the stability overall in the secondary is better than I would have guessed. When you look forward with Eddie Jackson's coming back, and he seemed to have a bit of a career resurgence under this staff in this, you know, quote unquote, Tampa two system. Um, Jaquan Brisker is still getting better every week. He's also leading the team in sacks. Take from that what you will, but it's a fun but bad stat when three sacks is your team lead. And, you know, he had his growing pain on that, you know, that zero blitz where he he came flying down and just wrong, wrong side <laughs> on the design quarterback run. Um, and I also could not be happier for the performance that uh, that Kyler Gordon had where I thought he really deserves some credit. Like he had his moments of where he still looked like a rookie, but he had a fumble recovery. He had an interception. Like it's just one of those things he needed a confidence building game and right back after a pretty severe concussion, it sounds like to have that kind of performance. I could not be happier for that kid. Well, and I'm, it's funny you said that. Cause my, to be perfectly honest was literally the exact thing that the bears, to be honest, the bears might have a secondary and it was all the points you just said that, you know, was this Gordon's best game? Yeah, I think it was absolutely his best game. You talked Same. about the takeaways he had, used four times as a blitzer. Um, and it's against a good quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And where you have no pass rush, like the Bears have no pass rush, it's hard to cover. And when you ask someone like Jalen Johnson to cover A.J. Brown all game long, like, yeah, he's going to give up some catches. There was the one in particular where – the, the, the big, the, really the only one I was like upset about was this one where he gave up the reception and then didn't get AJ out of bounds mm-hmm. and he just ran off. I mean, that was where a big chunk of those yards came from. So, you know, I would a keep that in mind that it was really off of that one play mm-hmm. sure. and B, but he still needs to make that play. Right. You know, that's happened a couple of other times where, you know, didn't touch the, the, uh, the offensive player when they were supposed to be down, things like that, that has to get cleaned up. Um, one other it person does. I want to get credit to is uh, in part of that secondary is Jalen Jones. Since he's playing well, and, and he still has some struggles too. Don't get me wrong; there are some 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 hiccups there. But since he's playing well enough on the outside, that allows Kyler Gordon to go in the slot on the inside, and I think that's letting Gordon be a little more comfortable versus having to jump around and do what he had to do the first couple weeks of the season. So I think that's helped them out a lot too. Absolutely, yeah. He's been kind of a, a weird late season revelation where it's like. I'm not sure if he's a starter in this league, but I think he's a rotational defensive back where if a guy goes down, he at very least can come in there and give you some solid reps and make it feel like the fall off isn't just tr- so tremendous that you're like, all right, well, so-and-so's hurt. Guess, guess we're screwed. Yeah, absolutely. It's And like you had highlighted too, this whole season's all about what's going to be coming up next year. So next year with Eddie coming back, Brisker hopefully take another step. Gordon take another step. That makes your offseason maybe a little easier. Do you really yeah. have to spend as much thought process and time, money, or draft draft equity on this secondary? Hopefully not. So now you can focus on some of these other areas of need. Um, what is your to be perfectly honest? <sighs> that there's just still so much work to do all over the roster in general. Like there's no pass rush being generated. The linebackers outside of Sanborn are leaving a lot to be desired. Like, I think I'm completely done with the Valus Jones Jr. experiment and ending in all forms. Like, the guy can't even run an end around. It, it's it's absurd, like, how little trust he has for a guy who's already going to be 26 going into his second season. Like, I don't know what 
what you can honestly ask him. Like, what do you trust him to do? There was one play from that game when I went back and watched where uh, he was just running a go route on the uh, bottom edge of the and screen. He didn't finish it. the alternate two. And he tails it off, which lets yeah. his defenders stay there. And then Cole Komet's route in Cole Komet should have gotten to his spot faster. But Cole Komet's route, like there, it was too congested. So so Justin couldn't throw it. So he had a scramble. Just run yeah. fast. That like literally just, just run. The one thing you're supposed to be able to do is run fast in a straight line, and you didn't do it. Like, what are we doing here? Um, and then obviously the offensive line and I mean, the the one positional group, I don't think they really need a ton of help. In, and that's even dependent on if they bring Monty back, which I don't think the running back room needs a ton of help. Everything else just needs help. Like what it, I, it speaks volumes when in Simba Webster gets elevated from the practice squad and gets immediately more targets and asked to more run more complex route or has more complex route asks of him. And he just got up to the active roster. Yeah, exactly. And and no one wants Bayless Jones to fail, right? If anything, it's the opposite. No, right? we, we nobody want wants Bayless Jones. Well, we like these people as people. You're just not good at football. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you to be just good at football. That's like all I want. Uh, now that we're laughing, uh, we found this humorous. Mine is the continued struggles in some of the short game, specifically some of these screens. Now, you do have to keep calling them, but I find it funny that they get called and I find some pretty big situations. Like, you got some momentum, and then it's like, let's run a screen. And then right now, Justin's still struggling to grip it and rip it. And when you are – you had a first down conversion, and now it's first down again, let's run a screen, and Justin throws the ball behind in front of the intended screen, and now it's just second and ten. That's really takes the wind out of your sails. So, yeah. Uh, I find it funny that this is still such a struggle, whether it's from the play calling or the execution perspective. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it is funny. I my humorous thing was just kind of what I alluded to just now. It's like, and Simba Webster just came in and immediately had to show he was a better wide receiver than than the guy who they just spent a third round pick on, like. I genuinely asked this question. If they were to release Velas right now, would anyone even claim him? Oh, uh, probably. I think some, no, no, actually I'm gonna say no. I was going to say some team would do it just for the, maybe like return thought process for playoff stuff, but no, I, I would say no. All right. What's next? Next we have our concussed corner. Uh, so something from the last game that we did not like, a decision that's so odd the play, the person must have been concussed. What did you have for that one? Oh, boy. Um, Eddie Pinheiro – or not Eddie Pinheiro. I just got my old Bears stickers mixed up. Cairo Santos clearly saying, I can't kick. And just what the hell? Like, you see him clearly – like motion to like, hey, like, like the kill signal, like, hey, I can't do this. Right. Like, and then you, I was listening to the score a couple times this week, and they had Patrick Manley on, who when he speaks on special teams, he kind of listened because, hey, he's he's the Bears' the most tenured Bear of all time, and he was a long snapper forever. If anyone's gonna know about field goal kicking and like 
how those guys are going to interact and, and think it's going to be him. And he says something along, he said something along the lines of he's not entirely sure. Cause the only person in the world who's going to know if he is doing this is he's thinking that Eddie or not Eddie, uh, that, uh, that Cairo Santos might be protecting his own stats. Cause he's hit 90 plus percent of his kicks this year. Did he, is he doing this to, for self-preservation? I mean, given he's already missed five extra points on the year. I mean, that could be entirely true, right? I mean, at the end of the day, kicker is measured by... And I'm not I'm, I'm not sitting here pointing the finger saying this is what he's doing. I just thought it was an interesting point from Patrick Manley, who was in those rooms for so many years, saying a lot of times you'll see guys start to protect themselves, especially in a lost season. Yeah, exactly. And it's entirely possible that that's happening, uh, especially when you feel like maybe you're looking over your shoulder a little bit, you have a couple misses, that could be happening. Uh, and then, of course, the other opposite could be true, where it's just like, look, if there's swirling winds at Soldier Field, and this is a close game. I don't want th- – this is just not a makeable kick right now. It makes more sense just to play the field position battle. And the only person that knows the truth of that is Cairo. Yeah, but it's like it, – Mason, it, it was a 40 – what was it? Would it have been a 48-yard kick, 49-yard kick? Yep. Like that. That's where we're at with with Cairo, where it's like inside of fifty, we know him to be pretty reliable, if not automatic. And you see him waving that off. Like, do we even think that they're going to attempt a field goal this weekend with reportedly up to forty or fifty mile an hour gusts of wind off Lake Michigan? Ugh, uh, over forty is a big question mark at that at this rate. Right. Which you can't. You can't have, but at the same time, what do you do in this situation? Let's let's say Cairo is they figure out like, dude, Cairo, you're you lost a step, or you're trying to protect your stats, or whatever the case may be. Are we moving on from Cairo? Are we going to kicking derby 2.0? You know, it's one of those things. Like, I think everyone will take for granted how hard it is to, or how great it is to have just stability at that position. Like, yeah, you can't kick morally more than a 50 or 52 yarder with him because he just lacks the leg strength, but he's reliable. He does kick, make his kicks. I, we, I really think we've forgotten in short order how hard it is to find a good, reliable kicker because how hard was it after Robbie left? Robbie oh, Gold right, left, we, and it was, it was musical chairs. Like, all right, who's kicking this week? Well, and if you remember that whole dynamic too, Robbie left and everyone was up in arms because, you know, Fox didn't want to deal with him. And then he went mm-hmm. to, and Robbie himself said that for him being let go like that was eye opening and let him go back to the basics and reset. And then, right, he goes to the Giants and starts to have a bit of a renaissance. Then he ends up with the 49ers. But he, again, goes back and says, me being cut was the best thing for getting me back on the right track. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I don't it, want to have to go through that again, though. Yeah, anyway, your your confusing decision that made you think someone was concussed. So this is a point of contention you and I have had a couple of times. Oh, boy. And at the end of the day, <laughs> it's, it's Justin's run usage. He had 15 okay. carries for 95 yards, which which is great for the offense, right? This is how the offense needs mm-hmm. to work if it's to be a successful offense. But when you add in the hits, like I mentioned earlier, right, with the offensive line giving up six sacks, when you look at some of the how they runs end, because yes, there are the times Justin runs out of bounds, but there's also the times where he slides very upright and 
and Dominican Sue comes and punches him in the back of the head. You have the ones where he doesn't slide at all because they're running this weird like midline run game where there's no outside. You can't get outside because the left tackle mm-hmm. is trying to seal so you can go upfield, but the Eagles are played it well, so they, he just got smacked in the face, basically. Um, when you add up all those hits, so now you're in the 20s of just contact. That's tough for me. And we saw that, right, because he had to leave the game with cramps. Like it's and he, I Justin takes care of his body. He spends more time working on his body and trying to keep it tip top trip than almost anyone out there. Mm-hmm. So when you layer the hits in, and we he already had a shoulder issue. When you layer in the cramps and all those things, to me, like the fifteen carries is just a, a touch too much. Just just a touch. I can see that. The other the only other question I'll pose to you, Mason, just because you'll probably have a better understanding of it than I. He's never been this kind of runner in his career. We know he takes good care of himself, but how much of it is just muscle fatigue from him using his body in a way he's just never historically used it as? Like, oh, it, it's, it's a huge part of it, absolutely. Right. So, obviously, we it's all guessing game, but we know that this is going to be a part of his game now. We, maybe not not to this extent. Hopefully, not to this extent, because that'll mean they likely didn't do enough for him this offseason to show him progress more as a passer, especially in the short and short and. Uh, like small intermediate game, which is where he really struggles, not the mid to long game. So I just wonder like if, if and how his training regimen is going to change in this off season to allow his body to keep doing that because we know he takes great care of himself, but it's hard to adapt to that style on the fly and just completely change your changing your training regimen to just do that. It's like to asking to for like more basic terms, someone who's been a bodybuilder their whole life to all of a sudden be like, hey, you're going to be training for power now. Nothing but power. That's just such a complete change up in, in style of training, right? So it's, you know, just an, an easier example for maybe someone to understand. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that's something that's going to change a bit in terms of the focus for his offseason. And the other things – like those secondary tertiary layers should also help. So if you get an offensive line that isn't, you know, Swiss cheese, now you're not having to scramble as much in the pocket trying to find a receiver. You're not having to scramble mm-hmm. and leave the pocket. Like we talked about on that Bayless Jones bad route, That's that could be a throw because now your weapons maybe are better and actually doing what they're supposed to do. So, yeah. you know, the it, again, it's, it's more about total contact you're taking versus how the contact happens. Because in like the group chat we're in, someone brought up a very good point of, uh, you can get hurt just as bad sitting in the pocket as you can on a scramble, and that's absolutely well, and th- that leads that leads me to the thing I've said on the show before. Most of his big shots don't come on runs; they come when he's trying to make a throw, and he just gets lit up. Right, like, and we have to also just factor in the 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 bucket of water thing, right? Like you can get a gallon of water dumped on you, but you can also have a cup thrown on you multiple times, and you're still going to be just as wet. Hmm. So it's about balancing both, and it's it's tough because you're right. I mean, this you said this on multiple shows. This is the only way the offense works, and you have to find the balance of the offense working and Justin surviving. So, like, what? Where's that balance? Right, and we're past. The, and I think personally, we're past the the reps argument. He's gotten the reps. The game is slowing down. Has clearly slowed down for him to an extent. Like, this is about him just. A, he's a, an ultimate competitor. He does not want to be taken out of the game. He wants to play. So he, it's it's more like balancing 
protection versus where where do you draw the line of you need to pull him just for his own safety? That's an interesting question. Um, actually, okay, so before we move on to the next sort of drop-dropping stat, let's say for the sake of argument, you are uh, Ryan Poles and you're in a meeting with Matt Eberflus and all of a sudden the bat phone rings and you find out, hey, like we found out through blah, 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 just the final week of the season, the Vikings are sitting a good chunk of their starters. You know, Kirk Cousins, the amazing Kirk Cousins, isn't playing. Dalvin <laughs> Cook's not playing. Harrison Smith Jay, is out. Jay <laughs> Jettas like is taking the day off. Yeah. Right. Do do you take Justin out then? And do you say, no. you know what, week off? Or are you saying, hey, go go for it because – I think that's it? showing a lack of confidence in the player at that point. Mm. Like, and I get it. By taking him out and saying, you believe it's saying we don't trust you? That No, we just we don't believe it's important for you to win this game. And I get it. But coaches and players aren't wired that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, Ryan Poles probably wants that number two pick, and losing out is the way you maintain that number two pick, right? So, but right. you do you think Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields give a shit about – Oh, they don't. The That's why I said you're Ryan Poles. You're sitting there and you're like, Matt, blah, blah, blah. Are you, if you're Ryan Poles, are you heavily suggesting, oh man, looks like Justin's hamstrings acting up? Or are you saying, <laughs> let's, let's go, let's go beat the Vikings? I mean, you're talking to someone who's never, I've had coaching responsibilities before. I've never been in a front office executive role. Like, I, I'm not wired that way. I, I want Justin to play. That's a fair answer. I was curious on your perspective. Yeah. Well, where do you put yourself then in that situation? Uh, is my fantasy team playing or no? Sure. <laughs> I see, honestly, though, if I'm Ryan Poles and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this is the final game of the season, and this is assuming, let's say, we've lost to the Bills, we've lost to the Lions, and let's just say for the sake of argument, like I know for a fact like if I lose this game, I get the second pick. If we win this game, I might end up at fourth. I just don't need Justin to play this game. I don't, I'm sold. Sure, Justin's I understand that. Justin's I totally understand dude. that. I do. If, if it was last year you know because there was a lot more i feel like up and down with justin i'm probably i'm having him play because i still need to know what i got i'm i'm confident enough that i got justin i got you i think you you'd also just have a hard time explaining that to number one oh even if you are ryan poles he's gonna be super pissed oh like that's the thing and uh i would have to figure out <laughs> the wording and uh, a nice, maybe send him a nice fruit basket. I don't know, but I gotta be like, yo, well, you Justin, can't, you know, you can't send him anything meat wise. Oh no. At all. Yeah. You're, you're not allowed to send him anything carnivorous. <laughs> well, that's just not fun. Who wants to just send, here's some oranges. <laughs> here's some oranges for your friend. Uh, jaw dropping stat. What, what a uh, stat made your jaw hit the ground. So within the realm of the Eagles bears game, uh, we found out that uh, Jalen Hurts was tracking for the most carries by a quarterback in NFL history. Now, obviously, that's probably not going to happen with the shoulder disc, the shoulder sprain, I believe is what it was called, um, when Travis Gibson landed all 270 or so pounds of him directly on that body. Maliciously, um, if you ask some people. That's a hard, it's a hard sell to call that malicious. I but. Know, right? Um, it's shows you how dominant Justin has been in the running game. I mean, it helps that he has what five plus 50 yard runs for touchdowns and he would have had six if his heel just didn't hit the three yard line or whatever it was. Um, but 
it's also like so I found that to be a pretty job like that's a lot of runs for a guy and for him to really I mean I'm saying inefficient like he's not averaging six or seven yards to carry he's getting he's doing well efficiency wise but it's like you you've measured up against Justin Fields who's got nowhere near the carries and already missed games and he still might break a single season rushing record for quarterbacks like I, I just found that kind of wild and then you go back to the what six runs now of 20 20 plus miles per hour like he's quite legitimately arguably the fastest man in the NFL at this point in time like it's it's absurd it's it's just so impressive uh what you continue to see did you see the Darius Slay clip by chance yeah, where he, it's just, I'm so impressed that it's becoming a weekly thing where someone on the opposition is saying something just so outwardly glowing about Justin, where it's like such a far cry from when Sam Shields is on the other end of the Packers secondary saying, well, all we had to do is make Mitch play quarterback. Like, well, and it's, <laughs> it's funny, if you look up that clip, like the entire clip was beautiful, right? Except for mm-hmm. the last like five seconds where he said something about you know, Justin doesn't think he's a quarterback. He like them. That boy thinks he's a running back. And it's like, Oh, you had to say that you just you had just to, had to throw, throw the term running there. back in there. Yep. And it's like, oh, you couldn't stop please. And it just sucks. Um, and it's, it just stinks that I don't think this year there's going to be that game where you point at and say like, ah, shut up. There's the quarterback kind of thing. It's, it's just he kind put of up the that. highest passer rating against that Eagles defense of any quarterback they've faced this season. And people refuse to acknowledge it. Like, but you can't pick and choose what stats you want to acknowledge and not acknowledge. Yeah. It's all it's all different brushes to paint with, right? So why not just give him the credit? Like, oh, well, his two touchdown passes were easy. Well, do you know why the second touchdown pass was easy? Because they bit down on the threat of him running, and he just made the throw. And at the like, end of the day, the seven points, well, maybe six if Cairo's kicking. Because that was the, that was a Pringle touchdown board. pass, right? Where yeah. Pringle kept fading. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure I got my plays right. Sorry. I've been doing Christmas stuff all day long. So my memory is a little bit fried. At the end of the day, the seven points on the board is the same as the other seven points on the board. Like, I don't care if Justin got it because, again, like, you know, the defense sucked up trying to defend the run and he just tossed a little lob over the top. Great. That's still points. Like, and they were in this game against the best team in the NFC the entire game. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Shut up, people. You guys are idiots. Um, <laughs> Dr. My, West is not going to stand for your shenanigans. My jaw-dropping stat. According to uh, PFF Fantasy Football, Justin Fields has the most passing touchdowns thrown under pressure with a total of four. Now, there's a multiple things to this. For one, he's almost always throwing under pressure. So, like, there you always have to factor that in. But the fact that it just seems like he zones in a little bit more and he he can just throw these dimes. I think it was two weeks ago, the one he had up the sideline where he just got drilled in the chest and it just fell perfectly into Equinemia St. Brown's hands. I mean, yeah. like that one wasn't a touchdown, but the fact that he can stay in the pocket like he does, the placement he has on his deep balls, I mean, that's what we were talking about seeing when it, he was coming out of Ohio State, mm-hmm. and we are seeing that more frequently. Well, he's got a better understanding of what NFL Open is, despite the fact that his players are seldom if ever actually open. Right. Absolutely. And looking for those anticipation throws, you know, JTO Sullivan, who was on the show last week, go check that out if you didn't get a chance to. Uh, he talks about throwing anticipation throws, the capital A, you know, like before the break ever happens. 
he's doing the lowercase a ones where it's like, yeah, I can kind of see it coming open. Mm -hmm. So hopefully over time, as again, the weapons get better as he learns stuff. And it's his first year in this offense. How many quarterbacks get into the first year of a new offense and are just firing on all cylinders? It's usually year two, at least before they really kick off. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a perfect time. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll pop back in with some training room roundup. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, now this is the portion of the show where we end up looking at what's going on in the Bears training room. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of it is eh, – so a lot of it's just for sure, right? So we know, as you can see here uh, – I get rid of this little banner here for those who are watching because it's a little easier to see. Uh, there's just some people who are just straight up out, right? Equinamia St. Brown, concussion, not playing. Kendall Vildor, ankle out. Trayvon Wesco, out. Not much to talk about. I would but assume one- that – that uh Claypool's not playing either, just based on the doubtful designation. Right. And that's the, when you look at Chase Claypool and Tevin Jenkins, you know, it's tough when on a Tuesday they had to do that, like, we're guessing this is going to happen because it was a walkthrough. Because mm-hmm. they right. went, like, they went, there were limited, and then all of a sudden DMP. So in all reality, I would, if I'm Same the NFL, white hair, I guess, right? Yeah. No, I'm, if I'm the NFL, and I'm actually talking to the Bears, I mean, like, look, you guys lied to us a little bit. We don't actually think they were limited. Uh, you might have fudged that a bit. But, yes, so Chase Claypool, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair. Um, it's gamesmanship, I friend. I think are out. Oh, that, that, that is a little even more than gamesmanship. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of questions about Tevin Jenkins in terms of what's going on with his neck. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's nothing on tape. There, The fact that he had to get pulled Back. off like he did, yes. That's not a stinger. And even in a stinger, everyone keeps downplaying it. A stinger is not is not this little thing. Especially for a guy who's already had two separate other spinal cord issues. Right. Who and he had ner- it wasn't and he had ner- true nerve symptoms down the leg. The spinal cord is one continuous cord. Problems at the bottom can have problems at the top. So it this is not great right now we're gonna have to and i would be surprised if we saw tevin again this season to be honest yeah i would say just shut him down get him right as best you can because i i'm of the opinion uh, as i've expressed to you before once you have a back injury you're never 100 percent on your back ever again yeah it, it, it it all becomes maintenance and what your pain tolerance is for that back just because there's so much 
even if it was just baseball, when a guy gets hurt in baseball and hurts his lower back or his upper or his mid mid or upper back, whatever, that's a torque driven sport. He's never going to be the same again. It's why Anthony Rizzo has had to suffer through, you know, smaller deals versus getting a five or six year deal to end his contract because yep. they don't trust it. Tevin Jenkins' back is never going to be okay. Just so everyone knows, it's going to be manageable at times, I'm sure, but there's going to be other times where it's not as manageable and he's just going to have to miss time. Whether it's a torque driven sport, a, a sport where it's all based on the contact with the ground, like basketball is, or if it's a full contact sport like rugby or football. Once you have back issues, you're never going to stop having back issues. And now, and for like regular people, you know, not that parents aren't regular people, but you know, that's why I always, if I have the person in my clinic and they're asking, Hey, here are my symptoms. Should I get a back? Should I get the back surgery or should I go the conservative route? Obviously I am biased as a physical therapist, but a lot of times I push the conservative route first. Because as soon as you start diving in there and making changes to your structure, whether you're removing a lamina because it's putting pressure on the nerve, whether you are trying to, you know, you're doing a micro disectomy where you're actually taking some of that disc out, it is never the same again. And the rehab process is tough. And most of the time, you're not truly getting back that range of motion and the strength and the stability that was really the lack of which was put you in the situation in the first place. So now take someone who is a large so, i apologize to our listeners i didn't mean to get on my soapbox there but it's like it's one of those things everyone was just trying to downplay like oh he's just trying to get better from his back surgery he's never gonna be better it's all gonna be managed in Always certain managed. ways yeah um jalen jones sounds like at this point the bigger issue is the finger um a lot of people just question for one thing that's weird about that though before i go into that isn't it do you find it weird that Iberflus is like i don't know if it's broken or not yeah, I mean, a broken finger is a broken finger. Fracture, right, fracture. the x-ray. You, boom. <laughs> like you, literally, you own one in the facility. Just We're going to find out Jalen Jones like a Scientologist or something and refuses to have modern medicine used on him or something. Yeah, so I'm confused on that. Like, every once in a while, there might be such a small break that the inflammation hides it on the x-ray. But, like, that was weird to me. But, um, but yeah, yeah finger. Uh, a lot of people were asking, well, it's a finger. Well, can't you play with it? You, you especially when your hands are your are your tools tool. uh, you, <laughs> you don't want to just like you know have to wrap it up and have something funky happen where now i mean you see pictures of football players hands all the time how janky those fingers are um it's not well, just look at, uh, even on nfl network brian baldinger's got i think it's his left pinky it just kind of completely sags all the way down when he's like this like because right. he physically can't it's all it's all messed up from his playing days and he wasn't a cornerback who like legitimately like needs those hands for to do exactly what they need to do um so that's yeah. probably what's going to keep them out more so than than the rib stuff but the the lingering rib stuff is a problem for me to also just because you know he had the oblique issue before and now it's the rib issue you know that was the abdominal i mean th- there's a lot of stuff going on in the same areas it that's another situation where if i were ryan poles i'm i'm considering shutting him down since mm-hmm. there's it seems like there's a lot of compensation going on sure um, oh, it's a couple other things to highlight here. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, Jack Sanborn got put on IR. Um, probably could could have come back if the season was a little longer, but it's not. So he's done for the year. Uh, ankle should be fine coming back. Nothing to too concerned about for next year. And then Khalil Herbert is back. He got activated off of IR. Uh, what is your thoughts on that, Danny? That Khalil Herbert's back? Um, yeah. I understand it kind of thing because Tristan Ebner kind of is just – trash 
and should yes. not yeah. ever touch an NFL field ever again, in my humble opinion. Um, and I like Darrington Evans, but I think he should be on for a guy who really hasn't played much. Like you don't want him taking too many hits, and that's the same thing for Montgomery. Montgomery is taking all of the abuse almost. So I think you might want to get your most explosive running back back in the fold. Like, could you view it as like, oh no, um, like they're just bringing him back to try to win games? But you can't just let these guys. You can't. I mean, I understand like you can do whatever you want with them. But I don't think you can just justify like if he think if he's healthy enough to play and the medical team is saying, hey, he can play. Like, I can't imagine them just shutting down him for a guy who is just a sixth round running back. I get he's important, but I just I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think if it was maybe another position, um, no offense to Cole Herbert, if it was your your number one, number two wide receiver. If it was your stud tackle, maybe you are having that and lost season. Let's move on. I think the other layer, and this is a perfect week example for this week is his presence should help Justin out. You know, when you have a second running back that can carry more of the load in a, in a game that should maybe have some less throw in, this is really going to take, as I talked about earlier, some of those hits off of him because he can just be like, all right, go, go take this. Bye. Let's get some, you know, just this weekend, let's get some old school, like Oklahoma style or Nebraska style T, T formation and wishbone stuff. Wishbone, yes. Yeah, let's go. Old school 50s football. Here they come. <laughs> One of the plays that was actually really cool last week, and of course now I'm going on tangent again, was when they had Monty in and, you know, taking the snap and then faked it to Justin. I mean, it's super, it only happened, I think, one play, but I was like, that's fun. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, just don't make it a regular thing. <laughs> right. Right. And then now let's move on to previewing this game, which you need to know. Uh, the Bears actually lead the series against the Bills and have won three, uh, eight to five, and have won three of the last four games with that loss coming in an overtime game in 2014, 23 to 20. But in their last matchup it was in 2018, where the Bears won 41 to nine. Do you remember that game, Danny? And when? 21? 2018. That was the Bears the, defense had a field day. Yeah, I was gonna say that was that was uh the playoff year, right? 2019. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I, I remember it just not clearly. I for it's, you know the good years are so just drowned out by crap, it's hard to keep them all straight. Yeah. Um <laughs> the I think Leonard Floyd might have had an interception. I'm, I I recall it a little bit, yeah. Uh, but for this I game, don't remember, I don't remember the game being that much of a blowout. But all right, oh, it was it was rough. Um, so right now, so Justin Fields leads all quarterbacks this season with a thousand rushing yards, while Buffalo's Josh Allen ranks fourth with seven hundred and five. And when the Bears host the Bills on Saturday, it will mark the first matchup in NFL history in which both starting quarterbacks enter the game with at least seven hundred rushing yards on the rushing. season. Wow. Fields is the third quarterback to ever ever with at least a thousand rushing yards in a season and can surpass Michael Vick, who had 1,039 for the second most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single season, and only Lamar with 1,206 as more. For Allen, he ranks third amongst quarterbacks this season in both touchdown passes with 30 and rushing touchdowns with six. And since entering the NFL in 2018, Allen has totaled 170 combined passing and rushing touchdowns. 
That's two good. Touchdowns. That seems good. That's real good. I mean, with two more touchdowns <laughs> on Saturday, he's going to pass Dan Marino for the most combined passing and rushing touchdowns by a player in his first five seasons in, in NFL history. So what you're Kyle saying is he's good. going to pass him. He's going to pass him is what you're saying. Yeah. But you mean this, this stout Bears defense is going to prevent him from scoring <laughs> two touchdowns? <laughs> yeah, maybe something like that. I just – oh, man. It's – I'm, so what is your perspective on just this game as a whole? Like, what does this game kind of mean to you? To you? Uh, doesn't mean a whole lot of anything. The Bills are a far superior team. They're probably at this moment in time the class of the NFL with the class of the NFL quarterbacking crop as their starting quarterback. Um, the big thing that I want to come away with is I want to – I want the game to end and it's going to be tough with the, the wind gusting off and you know, it's going to be so unbelievably cold, but I want to feel like Justin's at least close to the same class when it's all said and done. Like if, if we walk away from this game loss or not win or otherwise, and it feels like Justin's at least in the same realm or close to, I'd consider that a pretty big victory, like in terms of because that's all you can hope for for moral victories. Moral victories are for losers. The Bears are losers at this moment in time. So well, that's a, if you can come away with a moral victory, we're we're gonna look at this Bears or Bears rebuild MRI. So we're gonna take a deep scan into what we're looking at for this game as a part of this Ooh. rebuild because they are in fact losers. <laughs> that's as Danny put it. <laughs> I mean, how else did you want me to? I don't know. Lie to me. <laughs> so what we what we're doing is we, if I can get this to work, we should call you Rihanna because you'll just transition. love the way I lie. See, that's when I would play like a little ten second clip that wouldn't get us taken off of YouTube. Uh, we went through and looked at <laughs> the top five things that we're looking for out of this game. Oh, I already let the cat uh, out of the bag you for had the running game for both teams. I did. Uh, so so God. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, take it. Tell me about this running game. Oh, so, the people are waiting. So the big thing like I want to look at is the running game for the Buffalo Bills is effectively Josh Allen. Devin Singletary is really nothing to talk about. They, I know they traded for Naheem Hines, and he's more of a receiving style back that is going to be a little more dynamic in the passing game and may be able to make people miss an open space. But the turf monster is going to be out to get you. This could be a big game for Allen and Fields on the ground because they're both big, strong runners with the football. And I think you could be in for a nice big game from Monty in some capacity where it's just like, this just feels like a game where he's going to get a lot of churn and burn. Yeah. Just, just his style of running, you know, it's like. <laughs> always falling forward. Yeah. Always falling forward. The big, strong, tough runs. Like I forget what running back was famous for saying it, but it was like, I got four yards for you, coach. Well, I need six. I got four yards for I you, coach. Four yards for you, coach. Like <laughs> might have that might have been Ironhead Hayward. I might have I might be making that up, but I think that was his famous quote, which you know his kid now kids, both of them now play in Pittsburgh. But uh, yeah, it's just I think it could be a it's going to be a big game for the running. It feels like just because most quarterbacks will tell you it's not the wet or the snow, or the cold that affects throwing. It's the wind. Yeah. And Allen's got argu 
probably the best arm in football. Fields has got a very good arm. They'll be able to each cut through the wind, but when the wind is swirling 40 miles an hour off the lake, like that's good. That's going to be hard to, to manage and, and put a passing game together with any sort of consistency and regularity. Well, and at least for the temperature wise, I mean, we saw what Allen did last week uh, in terms of the throwing, right? I mean, and he's he, still dealing with that UCL issue. He's still dealing with the UCL. I mean, they put up a lot of yards, but you know, it's it's just different in Chicago. That wind off the lake, like you said, it's going to be a, a different beast. Uh, it was actually funny. I saw so Waddle and Sylvie just tweeted out. I'm curious if if you were given a free ticket to this game, would you go? No. Would you? Yeah, there's no, no. chance. No, no way. <laughs> uh, my uh, fifth thing, um, which is similar, but does Herbert make Montgomery expendable? Uh, I think. Or not just this game, but the rest of the games. I, I love Monty. I really do. And I think I love him more than a lot of other people do. Some of the advanced stats don't like him as much, but I think the eye test tells you something a little different at times. But, you know, as we're moving forward and there's going to be this change of guard that's going to keep happening as we move forward, do we see enough from Herbert these last couple of games that it's like, you know what, Monty, you know, here's the deal we have for you. If you don't want that, there's the door because – we also know if you look at their upcoming free agent list, there's a lot of good running back free agents coming up and you know, that might hurt him too. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on what you're saying. It's hard to just say Khalil Herbert, a sixth round running back. <laughs> it makes someone expendable, especially in an, in an era where how many true bell cow backs are left. Roughly off the top of my head, like three, three or four. Yeah, it, it, in a, any more today's day and age, it's more like you want three, maybe four of them who can all come in and tote the rock, which right now I'd argue, I think Darrington's been fine. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I like what he's done. Yeah, like I think you might – I think it's going to inevitably, in terms of Monty, end up being exactly what you said, where they're going to offer him his probably five or $6 million deal and just per you know annually and just be like, hey – this is what you want. Think you can go get more, go get more. If not, this is what we're offering. That's exactly where I, I live. I'm in the, this is the, the, what I feel is the fair deal. Take it or leave it. Like, I'm not just going to, I'm not going to not offer him something. I'm not going to lowball him. I'm going to give him exactly what I think he's worth. And hopefully we go from there. Uh, uh, yours, fourth, number four, the O-line. Who plays where? It's an excellent question, isn't it? Because I don't. I don't know. Like, I would imagine Reef is playing right tackle. I would imagine your left tackle is going to be Braxton Jones. Your center is probably Mustafer. Do you like then put? I I don't know if in good conscience you can keep running White Hair back out there. Like, well, I think he's I probably think he's, 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 he's yeah he's not he's probably not paying playing anyway. But it's like, do you put Schofield at left guard and do you try? Like Alex Leatherwood at right guard, I think. Do you flip or do you keep Schofield at right guard and play play Leatherwood at left guard? Because that I wanted them to try Leatherwood at left guard regardless. That's what my ideal position for him was. Well, I think today Iberflus doubled down on Schofield being at right guard, and then mentioned that Borum's been getting work at guard as well. So I think the question mark is... I don't ever need to see is, Larry Borum play football ever again. <laughs> I think the question mark is Borum or Leatherwood <laughs> at, at left guard. I, I don't know which it is. Um, I was very whelmed 
by Leatherwood last week, and there were two plays in a row where he almost got Justin killed. So um, yeah, he had, he yeah. needed he needed to get he needed to kick out wider on on both of those. He just didn't do it. But that was also a tackle, and um, yeah, I, and I'll maybe, maybe I know my and I know my draft evals mean next to nothing, but I didn't evaluate him as a tackle coming out of Alabama. I didn't think he was a tackle. So, and I think we're we're seeing that. Um, mine we talked about this is Cairo a problem, and I don't I don't want to do another kicking derby. I really don't. And he's it's the extra points, which is the weirder part where he's missing the regular field goals he's hitting. So it's like what's he's going on there? One percent on the year or something like that. I just I don't know what's going on there, and I'm hoping over these next three games he can just ride into the sunset and be like, look, here I am, boom, 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 hitting my kicks. Okay, this isn't a problem this offseason because there's so many other things to work on. I don't want kicker to be one of them. I agree. Uh, you also number three number three had pyro, so we just covered that. Add? We don't need to we don't need to delve back into it. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. My number three was the further leaps by the secondary. Uh, can can Gordon build off of his good game? Uh, let's say Jalen Johnson's playing. Uh, who do you have him shadow Diggs? Is is it is that just his role now? Is he officially the shadower? And then could like, can Jalen Jones help on the outside still? Yeah, I think at this point that's got to be his role, right? Like shadow these elite receivers, especially considering who's going to get paid soon, right? Because you have. Uh, he's coming up. You have Cole Komet coming up. You now have Claypool you're making a decision on with not a lot of data. Um, and the data you have is poor. So if you're truly going to be the corner that gets paid, you better be be guarding the big dogs. Yep. Uh, you had something similar, uh, but there's a little more to it, just the bare secondary versus some of Buffalo's weapons. Yeah, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about this already. Like, I want to see Jalen shadow digs i want to see gordon continue to show strides and i would like to see i would like to see how they keep deploying jaquan brisker because it feels like they treat him a lot like a chess piece where they just kind of put him anywhere and everywhere whether it be dimebacker and the nickel sometimes or up high um and i would like them to continue that because i think he makes him very valuable he actually reminds me a lot the more i watch him of like when jamal adams really started to come into his own and the Jets were just using him all over the place. So whether or not he ever gets to that level, like there was some obscene on-off field stat for him, his final season in the Jets, where it was like they were averaging three yards a carry when he was on the field where opposing teams were. But when he was off the field, they were like averaging seven yards a carry or something. It was something absurd. Like oh, wow. your, your strong safety is that valuable. <laughs> Kind of thing, and, and I'm curious to see some of the specifics, like you were just talking about, though. But like, if you have Gabriel Davis, who is a good deep threat, like, what is how does he pick him up? Um, if you have a Dawson Knox, who is a solid tight end, how does he deal with someone with that size discrepancy? Just continuing to see him build would be something I'm definitely sure. excited about. Uh, mine's similar. I, my second one's similar to yours. I mean, which which of these guys are part of your future? Braxton Jones, you know, Larry Borum, Alex Leatherwood. Jones seems like a lock for left tackle unless you find someone pretty amazing. Can Borum Leatherwood be something? Can Borum be a be a swing tackle for you? Can Leatherwood be anything? I don't. It's it's all up in the air right now. Yeah. And number one for you, and, and honestly, mine's kind of similar, so I was gonna put it up there. You had uh, jo- Josh Allen versus Justin Fields, and I had Justin's development. 
So I, I kind of already touched on this and let my number one out of the bag earlier, where it was just like, I just want to feel like Justin belongs. Like that he's in that same, it's hard to be Josh Allen because like the, the combined touchdown totals, as we've already covered through the first four seasons of his career are absolutely obscene. Um, but if you can walk away from this game, at least feeling like that he compete, he competed with just Josh, Josh Allen and made, made another player, maybe even Josh Allen have some remarkable comments of, about him or complimentary things to say after the game, you feel real good moving forward. Right. You, like you, like we talked about earlier, you want one of those defensive players to get interviewed and they're like, man, Justin's, Justin's a gamer. Like I didn't realize what we were looking. Just the comments that come keep coming out, game in and game like, out. Yeah, if, it, if Ed Oliver has something like just glowing to say, like, like that dude, man. <laughs> and then you know you want, like you said, him to be able to respond. So we saw, like for example, the Lions game. He threw that pick six, and then the next drive he came out and had that touchdown run. Can he do that? Can Josh Allen goes down and scores? Can Justin answer? In, in his own way, or at least keep it again in the conversation. Mm-hmm. All right. One thing that we did that we know of, it is the holiday season and we need to look at some holiday wish lists. Uh, and in this scenario, Ooh, this Danny is fun. Yeah, is going to take the role of some of these individuals who are asking for certain things. So, What is Matt Eberflus <laughs> asking Santa? And if for whatever you're celebrating, whether it's Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever, there's only so much time I had. I did a bunch of Santa ones. It is what it is. So what what is Matt Eberflus asking Santa for Christmas? Uh, I think it's pretty simple, right? The three technique. He he wants his penetrating, pass rushing, defensive tackle. I think Justin Jones has been. A, a welcome surprise here and there and been better than I even thought he was going to be, but he might be better as your rotational three technique, not your guy that's supposed to be the one wreaking havoc. Um, I mean, Jalen Carter would look real good, but I also understand the, the argument of trade down, get more picks because you only have one inside the top 50 for yeah. a team that needs bodies. Deron Payne, I think would be really, really nice to have pursued. I th- mine, when I was thinking about this, mine was kind of like, I want a blank check for Deron Payne. You know, I, I yeah. want to, I want, I would, I would want if, if let's say, pull, you know, hey, Santa, literally, I need this. I want Deron Payne in this defense so that when you go into the draft, like if you don't get that Godfather offer for the second pick or whatever pick you end up having, and you're like, you could in theory say, you know what, we're okay not getting Carter because we have this individual. Mm-hmm. You have options. What is Luke Getze asking Santa? I would say offensive line. Just if nothing else to make their true pass sets a little easier to block for. I think we've seen, and I know it's an unpopular opinion, I think we've seen their their major investment on the wide receiver position. When you trade a top what will be a what like the 34th pick or so. In the draft for a wide receiver, that's your that's a lost their pick. yeah. So that's a that's a big investment in a pick, 
like they're not I just have a hard time seeing them doing it again like I know there's rumblings that DeAndre Hopkins could be the next guy to force his way out but he's over 30 do you want to trade another second round pick for an expensive wide receiver when you got to potentially break off both Mooney and and Claypool would you I'd be very tempted to because I think DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins is awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that that pause is exactly where I live on that topic. Where it's like, oh man, like give me DeAndre like three years ago, please. But it's like, I but you can't. But like, man, that'd be tempting. And I also think that they could be very interested in a home run hitting running back. Like, say they do move off of 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 Mont- Montgomery, they could. Theoretically, I don't think Tony Pollard has a shot in hell of getting out of Dallas. Oh no, they're they're no way tagging him if they can't get a deal, right? And I think Miles Sanders could make some sense as a home run hitting threat. Same guy from that draft class, but he has his own frustrations where he he's really made all his rushing yards off of like a four or five game stretch this year versus being a consistent. This is what he does every single week. Um, there's other there's a ton of names out there. Yeah. I mean, I agreed with but, you. Honestly, I went right to O-line just because I think if I'm Luke Getze, I'm, I'm looking at my last stop in, in Green Bay, they always had some solid O-lines that allowed the run game to act how it needed to and to also give Aaron the time he needed. And yep. it all starts up front, right? If you can protect, then all, then everything that Getze does schematically, uh, it can take more effect. Alan Williams, what is he hoping for <laughs> under his Christmas tree? <laughs> Another outside boundary corner that isn't Kindle Vildor. <laughs> and no, on the real um, stability at linebacker play. Mm, yeah. Because um, I think the rotating cast of characters that is Nicholas Morrow and Matt Adams and Joe Thomas and this, this who's who of dudes that aren't starting NFL backers are making his life hard. Like I know it's easy to say off ball linebackers this day and age are just churnable, but you don't understand how valuable they are until you're looking for one. And it's like, you're just running through these like guys that aren't good. <laughs> like, but that being said, I, if I'm him and I'm even, this kind of goes double for Eberflus blank check for Bobby Okorike. Just hmm. who he fits the system. He knows both guys. And I don't think he should be more than probably 11, 12 million bucks a year. Mine, I went to, because I, I did the same thing where I was thinking about, you know, either Drawn Payne or even like a Jalen Carter, you know, earlier for Eberflus. So, you know, for Alan Williams, I went more towards the, I want, I want two draft picks spent on edge. I, I want multiple swings at give me a, a, a pass rusher that from the outside that can actually make some difference besides the guys that I currently have. Because as of right now, the, the pressure that the Bears can put on a quarterback sure. in the pocket is almost nothing. Uh, and what is Justin Field asking for this holiday season? Help. Just help. <laughs> anything, uh, anything and everything, just help me. Yeah, um, honestly, I could see him, if especially in a tradeback scenario, where maybe they pick up another second-round pick. Like that's a little higher. I could really see him just because I know it's overrated in the the Joe Burrow Jamar Chase thing where they had the connection in college where it's like 
duh, I like him. I, you can't really tell a guy no. I could see him really liking Jackson Smith Jigba. That's just that's just my opinion. I, I would it be the guy I'm necessarily quote unquote targeting, but no, I could see him asking for something like that for continuity's sake or for a guy he just knows. Yeah, because he's already developed having to develop brand new chemistry with another new wide receiver that they just spent a second round pick on. Right, there is something to be said about that. That's why you know all the people last year last year who were going into this draft being like, oh, we got to get Chris Olave or we got to, you know, I understood it. It made sense to me. It wasn't doable, <laughs> but yeah. the, you know, the, the chemistry makes sense. I mean, my mind went right to the easy answer of a number one wide receiver. You know, if I, yeah, if that's, I'm, that's more what I was getting at, but I just don't, like I said earlier, I don't, I just don't see another how? heavy investment. Yeah. Like, how? And if it fell into your lap, if there was someone, if a Deandre Hopkins was just, absolutely like get me the hell out of here or else I'm not playing and you could get him for I mean now that, that Ravens think, pick that Ravens Wait. pick I would really consider it because what what receiver are you drafting with a second round with assurance that there'll be half of a DeAndre Hopkins there well considering DeAndre Hopkins at the peak of his powers is one of the what three or four best in the game right it's so it's 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 I, I would heavily consider it. Uh, I understand but, that, but you know, no, am I? And that's why even like we talked about a little earlier, the the trade back um, in the Jalen Carter situation. You know, maybe you're not getting Jalen Carter, you're trading back to six with the Colts, and you're getting. But it's like I don't think there's a wrong answer for this question though, because if he no, if I, if you just said like, hey, sure up interior prep interior protection, go get Ethan Postage and go get whoever like who who your guards are. Would you blame him <laughs> if okay. he thinks like you know what I can make this work? I can make Claypool and Mooney work. Screw it, just get me interior protection. <laughs> no, I, I think that's the thing. I think there's a lot of things that you could say for this particular situation that that would be the correct answer. Right. Um, but it's it's either it's the biggest two, something on the O line, so he's not running for his life, or someone that he can actually trust and just say, "Yeet, go get this ball." <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> That leads us to our next little break here. We'll be back to finish up the show with some of our over-unders, our game predictions, and wrapping it up from there. All right, our over-under point of the show. And as everyone knows, these over-unders and the upcoming game predictions are always 100% accurate. So make sure that you are running to your nearest casino or to your phone to make, you know, these bets. Uh, oh, yeah, Danny- I absolutely do that. <laughs> So, Danny, over under 75 yards rushing for Justin Fields. Under. Feel pretty confident on that one just because the the ground isn't going to be in the best shape and they're going to I think really emphasize Herbert and Monty getting touches to, you know, play a defensive brand of foot, a defense like not defensive like oh, we're going to hit you but like control the clock, control yeah. the narrative kind of football. How about 200 yards passing for the Bills? God, that's a big number. Um, I'll say over, but barely, because they'll probably have like one long, one long one to like Gabe Davis that just like completely skews it. Five receptions for Stephon Diggs. Over. 1.5 turnovers for the Bears. 
under. They'll probably turn it over once, but I don't think they're going to give it away multiple times. Four and a half sacks for the Bills. <sighs> you know, they're just not as deep as Philly was no. uh, under. And lastly, two and a half offensive touches for Bales Jones Jr. None. He's not going to touch the ball. <laughs> no, I'll probably get one and then I'll fumble it again because Bayless. Even last week when they had, you know, no weapons and because, you know, everyone's hurt, out Claypool, et cetera, uh, obviously Herbert's still not in there. He had two. <laughs> he had uh, he one, one. one catch, yep, one run, and he fumbled it. Oh, Bayless. Uh, and then game predictions. So, Bills at Bears. Bills are favored by eight points. Who do you got? Bills win, but the Bears cover. Eight points is a big number, especially for such this crappy weather that we're probably going to have here. Yeah, I just I, – could it be high scoring? Sure, maybe. It's hard to say. It just depends on how well they maintain that field. Uh, that special grass, Ibrufus wanted. It'll be interesting to see how it deals with the snow and how the grounds crew manages that. But I think the Bears are the perfect – team like we saw that last week i don't think they're going to just get blown out in many games the rest of this year just because of how and you know it's one of those things it's so like i know it's such a moral victory and again moral victories are for losers but this team doesn't quit they just don't they're not good but the coaching staff clearly has buy-in from them like <laughs> it sounds so dumb and cliche but, but it's true you've you've seen teams quit on coaches yeah but like the Chicago Bulls. Uh, then oh we have <laughs> Jaguars at <laughs> Jets. Jets are favored by two and a half. Jaguars at Jets. Jets are favored That's, by two and a half. Uh, nice I game. think, yeah, uh, I'm going to say just outright the the Jaguars win. Which I was surprised by this number. Um, I just, I also just think. It doesn't make sense to me. And Zach Wilson is just bad. He's not good at football. Well, and you listen to Robert Sala's comments when he was announced as the starter for last week. They were it was just backpedaling because you he had to say that because he's now his quarterback because Mike well, White was like hurt. the I put it in our in our little group chat that we're in. It was like they someone posted the Sala comments of oh all quarterbacks develop in the at their own rate, which is true. Linear, player development at the NFL or any professional sport level is not linear. It's there's no like checklist like this is supposed to happen this is supposed to happen this is supposed to happen things happen josh josh allen was not supposed to be this if you're going off of what he was supposed to be doing right um but like i just don't see a path where he ever get becomes good and i read the comments and i was like i just put in the chat like is robert aware that he's the one that benched zach in the first place like <laughs> Like he's, I'm sorry, Zach Wilson has lost this locker room. Like when Mike White was named the starter, the entire team were wearing like Mike White shirts getting on the plane. Like he's you, Manziel you saw, with a milk kink. All right. You saw Garrett Wilson legitimately, like, so he, Garrett Wilson made a lot of mistakes when he, when Zach Wilson was quarterback. Like there was a lot on Garrett Wilson. Those mistakes diminished, whether it's because he cared more, he spent more time in the room, whatever the case may be. He played better for Mike White. I'm sorry, Zach Wilson's just not the quarterback of the Jets in the future. He's not a good Zach Wilson, as the kids say, ain't it? No. Um, <laughs> Lions at Panthers. Lions are favored by two and a half. 
I think the Lions win and cover. Agreed. There, the there's been... No, go ahead. No, like I know it was easy to it's easy to crap on Campbell. I think he is a good football coach. Yeah. Like I think he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are, and he's obviously got an offensive coordinator that's probably going to go get poached and be a head coach probably this offseason just for what everything he's done, especially making Jared Goff again look, you know. Oh, and there's another hot take. You want to upset more Vikings fans? Kirk Cousins is Jared Goff with better PR. <laughs> well, and as weird as this sounds, I would have put Jared Goff in the Pro Bowl before I put Kirk Cousins in there. I probably would have too. So, you know, there's there's another hot take. Uh, Giants at Vikings. Vikings favored by four and a half, as we just talked about. Our Lord and Savior, Kirk Cousins. <sighs> the Colts are a dumpster fire, and the dumpster fire lit the paper really? tiger on fire. The Colts? I'm, oh, I'm getting to my point. Oh, the okay. Colts lit the paper tiger that are the, that are the Vikings on fire. Gotcha. And... I think the Giants probably get the number covered but lose. I just don't think much of the the Vikings. I just don't. Like everything about them is just like I think Kevin O'Connell has a long way to go as a coach. I think Kirk Cousins is still painfully Kirk Cousins. Like I just don't see much to be excited about with that team. And they're like haven't they won literally every single one score game they've been in or, or won everyone but one this year? Yeah. Like, like you, they are you a, did that whole thing where you like flipped their records, you know, like all the one score wins became losses and vice versa. Like they would have a terrible record. Right. So whatever. They they probably win again, but it's gonna be like by two or three points or something like that. Uh yeah, yeah. I just I'm really excited for when the Vikings get bounced in the first round because by the i hope it's by the lions that would be epic i would i would i'm so excited for that potential game i hope the lions make it yeah i hope they play the vikings please let that happen um tampa bay at arizona tampa bay is favored by seven and a half arizona is a dumpster fire being led by trace mcsorley uh arizona is a team that could creep into the draft pick conversation as as we wind down here uh we want Arizona to win, but I think Kevin O'Connell or not Kevin O'Connell. Uh, who's the? I'm getting my handsome former Cliff quarterback, Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I think he's trash. And did you should watch have never... um, the in-season Hard Knocks by chance? I did not. Time? No, I didn't. There's a whole segment at the beginning of the last episode where, first of all, he's in the gym working out, and it's just like painfully awkward working out. And then the conversation <laughs> goes about how he was, you know. I was on the Patriots. I never played. And he, to be fair, he was very, like, he owned it. Like, I never played. But, but I learned a lot while I was there. And it's like, oh, that's, that's like, that's the gold star. <laughs> like, that's tough. Woo! You know who else played for the Patriots and never played? Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> Just churning out average head coaches. I think Kevin O'Connell might, could be good. I have no idea yet. We'll see. I have no idea yet. I genuinely don't. But Cliff like, is not. Cliff is, Cliff is not. Kyler's hurt. Steve Kime is doing weird things that might that's probably getting him fired. Um so yeah. All's good in Arizona. I think so. Who are they playing against? Sorry, we got sidetracked. Oh, sorry, the, the Buccaneers, <laughs> who are also currently not very good. Uh Buccaneers right to ship cover and send Arizona packing because Trace McSorley, Penn State legend, is uh 
is not very good at football. <laughs> I'm going to, just because I want to, I'm going to say the Cardinals. I think Trace McSorley is going to throw for two touchdowns, and they're going to run for another one. I just want to know when when it happened that Trace McSorley became an NFL meme. Like, he's got, like, a whole, like, meme song about him and everything. Like, what in the world? What did Trace McSorley do to deserve this treatment? I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact he's from Penn State. Maybe it's the fact he can run a little bit. I have no idea. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> hey, quick side quote. So, so do you remember when? So when the Bears made the playoffs and beat the Seahawks, like that Seahawks team that was like awful mm-hmm. that made it at like seven and nine. Yeah. Which team was worse? Like, let's say Tampa makes the playoffs because they're the best of that terrible division. That Seahawks team or this Tampa team? That Seahawks team, by virtue of quarterback, is really the only. You don't love yourself some Matt Hasselbeck? No, no, I do not. Matt Hasselbeck, though, had a very good NFL career. Like, like not throwing shade at him, but Tom Brady's Tom Brady. We're going to take the ball and we're going to score. <laughs> take the ball and we're going to score. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was. And then he threw an interception immediately. <laughs> uh, a coccyx and bull story, our bold prediction section. Uh, just hey, something unbelievable. Um, I'm going to stick to my guns uh, for both of them because I got one right and one I want to get right. Uh, Kyrie Blassing game gets his first touchdown with the Bears. If there's a game. You're just going to keep churning this one out, aren't you? If there's any game that happens, right, the snow, the, the cold, like give it to your fullback on the one, right? I mean, like that, that this is the game. Uh, and then uh, Kyler Gordon keeps it hot, gets another pick. I had that last week. Uh, I'll run ride with that one again. I'll ride with you on that one. I'm also going to ride with the uh, Bears are going to make this surprisingly close, I think. And you're going to have – it's going to be like a Josh Allen hero ball fourth quarter to make the Bills fully run away and win. I can absolutely see that. Well, that's the show we have. Uh, we did a lot, you know, a little bit of a new thought process here. Uh, hopefully everyone has a happy holiday. Hope everyone stay safe out there. If you're driving around, it's supposed to be slick. It's supposed to be windy. Um, obviously, we yep. didn't get the, the 14 inches that we were originally told with the European model. That's never correct. Uh, but <laughs> still funky. Uh, Hopefully the Bears game is going to give you a good Christmas Eve present of just seeing some progress from your QB. Yeah, because your co-host here was raised by elves, apparently. And it's got uh, Buddy the Elf. It's fun. It does. I still haven't watched that this year. Oh, God. I think I watch it almost 10 times a year because my wife loves it. I'm what married your, to a Christmas elf. What is your top? What are your like go to number? Like I have to watch these during the holiday season. Uh, Elf is one. Both the the two original Home Alones are both there. Me, I, you and I are in the same age bracket, Mason. You were born in ninety, right? 91. So ninety one. So I'm a year older than you, or so. Uh, so we we probably both both grew up on the same Christmas movies. So, um, the night before is one that we've put into the rotation. Her and I with a with a jet. Joe, not Joe Rogan, Jesus Christ, Dan. Uh, Seth Rogan? Seth Rogan. Seth Rogan, uh, the kid from Third Rock from the Sun, who I'm blanking on, who was in Don John. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, mm. It's like a comedy. It's completely ridiculous and off the wall, but it's fun. Uh, 
And then I, I actually recently watched one that I think we're going to put into the rotation. 8-Bit Christmas. It's from the makers of Elf. That was good. I watched that last and year. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. We watched it the other day. And then, uh, obviously, you got a, another classic one like Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. With one of the all-time rant scenes in a movie ever. <laughs> like Solid list. Um, yeah. I agree. I mean, I got a bunch of those on mine. Some of the ones you didn't mention. I always also watch those like old school uh, Burt Ives ones. So like uh, Year Without a Santa Claus is up there for me with Heat and Snow Miser. This year we watched Spirited, the new one on Apple. I was TV. disappointed by it. Really? I really liked it. I, I liked it. But when you tell me it's got the largest budget of any Christmas movie of all time, I was expecting more, I guess. Wasn't bad guess, by any stretch. For me, Ryan Reynolds is my man crush. I'll, I'll 100% say that. Ryan Reynolds is every man's man crush. What you... Anything he does is gold. So, <laughs> oh, Green Lantern is waving in the background. Hello. <laughs> hey, that's that sucks too. Because I think if you like took away everything, like the CGI suit and all that, and just watched Ryan Reynolds, he was fine. It was just that everything else around it was trash. <laughs> it was hot trash. Yeah. Well, with that, oh, and of course, that. no list is complete without Die Hard. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't care. Die Hard's a Christmas movie and another hot take. So is the first Lethal Weapon. I'm just saying. I, I don't think I've heard that take before. This is a first for me. I'm going to have to marinate on that a little bit. Well, if you disagree, you're wrong. <laughs> and on that note, we will leave you, Bears Nation. Hopefully, again, have a great holiday season. Uh, we'll be back, yeah, next Thursday. All right. I'll see you next Thursday. Lions game. Bye. Toodaloo.